Experience a story that will unlock the imagination of your youth. Come and see where the predictable is startled and where miracles abound. A man appearing so ordinary, but with endless worth. He defied the logical and the practical, lived and died for the impossible, an expression of true love. In a death-defying act, a man who conquers all. Come and see the greatest show on earth. Well, that opening song that you just heard at the beginning is actually a song that we're going to be singing at Easter. And let me just take a minute to say good morning. I uh, appreciate you getting up on Time Change Sunday, uh, even though that you've been sleep deprived. Hey, did, did anybody forget? Would you be willing to admit that in church today? You forgot. You woke up and you were startled by the time change. Good. There's three of you that are honest and the rest of you are going to lie and go to double hell. Hey, um, my name is Chris Zarbaugh. I'm the pastor here at the Clinton Township campus. We want to welcome you here to a series that we're in called The Unstoppable Force. But before we do, we want to recognize that not only is that song a part of our Easter uh, program coming up, but on the way out today, you're going to be getting an invite that we would love for you to grab on the way out and actually use it to uh, invite a neighbor with you and actually go online and download one of your free tickets to one of our six Easter services this weekend. Here's what you have to know about Easter this, uh, this year, is that uh, on the inside of this invite, it's actually coupled together with Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and Easter. And we're calling it Act 1, Act 2, and Act 3. Now, don't get depressed if you miss one of those acts. We'll teach it in such a way to where you won't miss anything. But I promise you, your best experience is going to be experiencing it in Act 1, Act 2, Act 3. This package together of the greatest show on earth you don't want to miss. What I mean by free tickets is that you don't have to pay for them, but you need a ticket in order to reserve a seat so we don't have to turn anybody away. We want to make sure to have enough empty seats for every, every person at every service. So please uh, do me a favor. Find out which family you're going to invite and then hand them this. Don't waste these. Uh, by the way, did you know that the majority of people will actually come to an Easter service or a holiday service if you invite them? Uh, how, and just out of curiosity, how many of you first came to Kensington because you were invited to a holiday service? Anybody? Okay, so that's at least a handful of people here who's, who knows, maybe their lives are totally changed from a simple invitation. That's how important these are. So grab one of these and download your tickets sooner rather than later. Uh, two more things before we actually move on in our day. The first one is uh, we have something coming up next Saturday, uh, the Hope Water Marathon. It's the Hope Water Rally, basically. It's the rally that kicks off the marathon. So whether you're interested in like, you know, cycling or jogging or walking or running, running short distances or relay or whatever, uh, we do it all in the name of raising money for the people uh, of the Pokot tribe in northwestern Kenya. Uh, we, we're drilling wells and, and we raise money for that. And so it's a fantastic community. It's a great thing to be involved in. If you want details on when and where, uh, it's basically next Saturday night, but you can go online, uh, go out in the lobby and ask them, but show up on Saturday. Even if you have questions about it, the, the, the rally itself is a great thing to be a part of. Okay, And then finally, the last one is this. Uh, Tyler Verrier is our youth director, our student ministry director here at Kensington, uh, Clinton Township. And he asked me to remind you that tonight, 
uh, all the ed students, which is our high school students, are meeting at the Troy campus tonight for something called Edge United. Edge United is all of our campuses in Michigan coming together, and uh, there's going to be hundreds of, of high school students in one spot. And so if you want to, uh, you know, have your high school student be a part of something epic and really great and the quality of the singing and the speaking and the entertainment is going to be through the roof. They're pulling no stops out here. So uh, that's tonight at the Troy campus. Details are in your program or on the app, Kensington app as well. Okay. Well, hey, listen, I appreciate you being here. I was gone last week. I've got a little bit of a raspy voice. Uh, uh, Hopefully we'll get through this day together. Uh, But we're really excited about the series that we're in. And as we jump into that, we would love for you to take just a minute and stand up and shake some hands of the people around you. Well, it's going to be my job to set up the day. We've called this series Unstoppable Force, and the whole series is based on one concept. Uh, We believe that over 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ put into motion this thing called the church. He said, on this church, I'll build my rock, or on this rock, I'll build my church. And he said, and the gates of hell will not stand against it. In other words, Jesus said that it's going to be an unstoppable force throughout time. And no matter how, who tries to thwart the church, it will continue to move on. We honestly do believe what the Bible says, and we believe that you and I are sitting here today or standing here today because that is a promise that Jesus put into motion. One of the really cool things that Jesus uh, did to describe the church was he used metaphors about the importance of every person who is a part of the church. So to set the context of what we're about to experience together, I want to set the context by reading what Paul used in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as an illustration to describe the church. Here's what it says in verse number four. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. This is the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them uh, and in everyone is the same God at work, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all of its, all of its many parts are form one body, so it is with Christ. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would, be, uh, it, it would not be for that reason, stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason, stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Now I love this scripture because 
Paul is saying, just as a physical body is one thing and it you know it works together uh, you know on one mission, it has many different parts, and the individual parts are placed exactly where they need to be placed, and they are unique enough and important enough, and they all perform a different function in order for the single body to work. And he said that is the same way that Christ designed. The church. In other words, if you're a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, if you consider yourself a Christian, believe it or not, you have a very important, unique contribution to give to this unstoppable force called the church. Everybody's gifted. Everybody has a role to play. So with that in mind, under that context, we're going to demonstrate this in an ordinary and hopefully fun way. Uh, we've asked just about 60 seconds ago, about eight volunteers to come up here and volunteer for a skit, whether they, they don't even know what they're volunteering for. Give these guys a round of applause as they come up, all right? Very good. Awesome. Just come on up, guys. Just go ahead and line up here on the stage and just kind of face the audience. And here's what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm not even going to ask them their names, right, because they were selected by... Uh, uh, Kristen selected half of these guys. I'm going to go down the line and I'm going to pretend to know their personality and then give them a nickname. It's your job to remember your nickname, all right? So how about this? Uh, you look like you have all the answers to everything. Let's just pretend for the moment that that's his personality. Let's just say that's how he's gifted, all right? So we're going to call you Mr. Know-it-all because you know everything there is to know. You are large and in charge and you, you know what to do. So that's your, that's your name today, okay? So your name today, you look, uh, you look very sensitive, okay? Yeah, so he, so he looks like he, he's going to cry at every, like, adopt-a-pet commercial. Doesn't he look like that kind of guy, right? So today, you're going to be called Mr. Cries all the time. Mr. Cries all the time, okay? You're going to be the person who loves to uh, serve people, okay? You're, you are a person who just, I mean, no matter no matter. What goes on? You're the person behind the scenes, just helping people and serving people. So you're, you're called Miss Serves a Lot. Is that, is that fun? That's good. That's good. All right. Very good. Hey, how are you? Okay, so you're going to be um, Miss Explains a Lot. You're a person that looks like you have a lot of clarity and a lot of explanation. You just know how to explain things really well. People look to you. So we're going to call you Miss Explains a Lot, okay? And you, you're going to be Mr. Generous. Because doesn't he look like he's the biggest giver to the campaign, uh, right? In fact, in fact, you don't know this, but he's actually given $1 million of his own personal money to the Everyone campaign. Give this guy a round of applause. Good job. All right? You are Mr. Generous, all right? Very good. And then you are, uh, you look like when you were in high school, you were a male cheerleader. Right? Yeah. <laughs> all right, so... Today you're going to be you're going to be the one who tries to encourage everybody, and you're going to be a, you're going to be Mr. Male Cheerleader. Okay, so good job. And then um, you're going to be somebody who is going to be so organized in their life. Uh, you're the person that makes to-do lists, and you complete them, and you are so good at every administrative task. So we're going to call you Miss Totally Organized Life. Is that you? Yes. Good. Good job. And then you're you're Mr. Drinks Too Much. All right. All right, so uh, that's your only job. Uh, he likes to drink grape juice a lot, and so you're, you're, you're a grape juice drinker, and so you're Mr. Drinks Too Much, right? So everybody has to kind of do what I say. I'm going to read something, and you have to act it out. Now, if you don't do a good enough job, the crowd is going to shame you, all right? So you're going to have to do a really good job, all right? So let me go ahead and uh, flip this paper here, and let me get to the next page. 
All right, very good. So here we go. You guys ready to play this out? Here we go. One day, all of these random eight people were at a living room dinner party mingling and having fun. Yeah, very good. Good job. All right, now. Then... Yeah. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, this guy tells a joke. How do you make a hanky dance? You put a little boogie in it. Hey, that's pretty good. All right. And then all of a sudden, everybody starts laughing. They laughed harder. In fact, they laughed so visibly, so, so much that you could visibly see every expression of their physical body. Then all of a sudden, Mr. Drinks Too Much actually spills grape juice on the carpet. And he starts, he bends over around the spill and he starts freaking out because it's purple grape juice on a white carpet. Immediately, Mr. Know-it-all, he decides to tell everybody to stand back and he starts telling people what to do. All right, so as he's telling people what to do, what, what he discovers is nobody listens to him because Miss Serves a Lot uh, had already kind of run off stage and she had already grabbed some paper towels and, and she was down on the floor working vigorously to get the stain out of the carpet. Mr. Cries all the time. He came over here to sympathize with the idiot who spilled the grape juice and he decides to console him. And they were consoling each other so much that both of them were crying together. <laughs> Miss Serves a Lot was still working vigorously, really hard, to scrub off the stain. Mr. Generous decided to give his own money out of his back pocket right now to pay for the carpet. Thank you. Yeah, very good. And then he decided to take a love offering and collect money from everybody else to help pay for the stain and the carpet. Um, Miss Totally Organized Life. She was taking notes on the whole thing, and she was uh, taking down details so that the minutes could be read letter, later. And then Miss Explains a Lot was explaining to everybody in the room just what happens when purple grape juice hits white fiber carpets. Everybody was so impressed with her explanation, they visibly were amazed. <laughs> Very good. Everybody was excited. And then finally, uh, Mr. Male Cheerleader was really wanting the party to keep going. So he decided to give his best cheer that he remembers from high school. Everybody. Rah, 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 rah. <laughs> All right. Hey, give these guys a huge round of applause. Wait a minute. Wait. All right. Good job. Now, all right, now, this guy spills the grape juice, but this, this person has a spiritual gift, right? You may think it's just his personality, that he's just, you know, he's just a, a guy who cries all the time, but it's a spiritual gift, because uh, somebody take a shot at it. What is his spiritual gift? It's, it's, it's compassion and mercy, right? Okay, so what is her spiritual gift? Service. That is actually a spiritual gift, is service, all right? His spiritual gift is? Generosity, all right? His spiritual gift is? It's a little bit harder to... Yeah, encouraging. That's right. He's an encourager. That is a spiritual gift. All right. Her spiritual gift is administration. That's right. That's good. All right. Her spiritual gift is 
yeah, teacher or explainer, right? Which is why she had so much clarity. And then his, his gift was he was a leader, right? Or he was an apostle or he was uh, more of a take charge kind of a guy. Mr. Know-it-all kind of knew what to do, all right? Hey, give these guys a huge round of applause. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it very much. Awesome. Hey, when it comes down to it, I'd like you to draw. I'd like to draw your attention to a spiritual gifts uh, chart that I have on the screen. I do not expect you, thank you, to remember this. I do not expect you to write this down or even, uh, you know, or anything like that. But what you can do is you can actually go online and watch this video later, and you could uh, pause it and, and write this down if you'd like. Or, well, I really highly encourage you to go online and Google and take a spiritual gifts test. If you want to write any sentence down, you could write this down. Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a spiritual gifts test on buildingchurch.net. Buildingchurch.net. Uh, these are the scriptures where it actually lists over 28 different spiritual gifts. And without repeating the previous list, these are the new ones that are listed down the line. Now, these are spiritual gifts. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that when you become a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, that when, when, when we receive the Holy Spirit in our lives, that the Holy Spirit is able to do works in us and through us. And so a lot of us would say, like, wait a minute, there was really nothing spiritual about this skit, right? I mean, there was like, you know, like a tragedy happened at a dinner party and everybody just kind of jumped up and did what was natural to them. But I would argue and say this, that believe it or not, we operate in our spiritual gifts almost always. It's not designed to be within the confines of the wall of a church building. The church is the people and the unstoppable force are the people of God who are supposed to act out their giftedness and serve others. And so a lot of us are gifted in ways and maybe you don't even know, maybe you're not even able able to identify your own gift. So go online and and go to buildingchurch.net and take a uh, spiritual gifts test. And what you'll discover is, is that you have a spiritual gift. And by the way, my wife's number one gift is giving, is giving. And, and my, my gift is not giving. So being, you know, trying being married and being in charge of the budget when you're married to somebody who has the gift of giving. That's interesting. But believe it or not, the, the message, uh, that, that concept is laying the groundwork for this message. We're going to talk about spiritual gifts and we're going to talk about the church in general, less about us, but more about the church in general. But I want to lay the groundwork today in a really fun and hopefully humorous way for, for us to understand that we are the ones that are gifted. We're the ones that God has equipped to be the unstoppable force. So with that in mind, let's pray as we begin. Would you pray with me? Well, Father, we thank you for this day and we ask your blessing on this time together. And Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would help us to hear whatever it is you want us to hear today about ourselves, about this church, about just church in general. I pray, Father, that you would help us to understand what role that we have to play. Father, that you would help the kingdom move forward and that your will would be done on this earth. Lord, thank you for everybody here. Thank you for the blessings that you give to us every day. We ask and pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to take just a moment and receive our offering at this time as our ushers are coming down. I just want to say, if you're visiting here today, don't worry about this moment. Uh, You can give if you'd like, but this moment is for Kensington people. And uh, we're always careful to say thank you for giving. Thank you for trusting God's word and what it says about giving, and then also trusting our leadership as well. And as the offering is passing, I just want to tell you a real quick story. Um, I remember the first time that I discovered 
that I wasn't very good at marriage counseling. Um, I remember it was when I first became lead pastor here at Kensington Church. And I remember after one of the services, a couple came up to me and said, Chris, we really feel like um, we want you to counsel us in our marriage counseling. And even though that I knew that I wasn't very good at counseling, um, I, I felt pretty obligated because after all, I'm the pastor, right? And so I said, well, yeah, I'll, I'll meet with you, even though that, you know, we have other people to meet with you, but I'll meet with you. And so I, I remember meeting with them at the Troy campus and they both came in and they proceeded to sit down for about 90 minutes and share with them, share with me their story. And it was 90 minutes of a lot of details about, you know, just their story. And then afterwards, it seemed like it was my turn to talk. And I thought to myself, well, you know, if I'm going to be the counselor, uh, it's my job to say whatever I think they need to hear the most, right? Because after all, I'm a high thinker. Are there any high thinkers in the audience? Any high thinkers? If you know you're a high thinker, okay? Just, just apologize in advance if you're a high thinker, okay? Because high thinkers just kind of say what they think. And so I remember looking at them after 90 minutes of hearing their story, uh, as much compassion as I could muster up. I looked at him and said, hey, listen, you want me to tell you my advice? Sounds like you're incredibly selfish in everything that you decide. I was like, so, I was like, you just need to stop being selfish. I was like, your real problem isn't the problem. Your real problem is selfishness. And I looked at her and I'm like, and you interrupted him like 19 times. You never even let him finish a thought. So just be quiet and listen. And both of them looked at me and they were like. <laughs> and, then, and then it was in that moment I thought, you know, maybe I don't have the gift of counseling. Because that, apparently those are not the right things to say as a counselor. They, they may be the things that they need to hear the most. Uh, I still believe that was true. But in terms, of, in terms of whether or not to say them at that moment, I actually thought to myself, wow, it, it's, it's these moments that help me realize that actually this isn't what I should be doing. I shouldn't be spending all my time in areas that I'm not gifted in. I should be spending more time in the areas that I'm gifted in. Now, but what we're, going about, what we're about to discover is we're about to discover there are five spiritual gifts given in the book of Ephesians. Now, again, I've already kind of laid the groundwork that all of us are gifted. I've, always, I've also laid the groundwork that all of us are needed, okay? Understand this. These five gifts that are given in the book of Ephesians, they're given as an overview, and Paul talks about them in such a way that, that there are five major giftings that actually propel the health and the uh, direction uh, and, and the momentum of the entire church. And, and, and these gifts work toward the end goal of why the church exists. So look what it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 7. Paul says, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ uh, uh, apportioned it. Okay? And verse number 11 says, It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. Now, he goes on to talk about why these gifts were given. Verse number 12, they were given to prepare God's people for works of service. That's important, okay? So that, in other words, we're, we're given these gifts so that the people of God may actually do things for the purpose of, so that the body of Christ may be built up uh, and to what degree? Until we all, until we all means it will continue. Until we all means the unstoppable force will continue to operate this like this until all means all. 
until we all reach unity in the faith in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then, the results. Then means the results. The results. We will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, being blown here and there by every wind of teaching and cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love. We will, all, we will, we will uh, in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ, from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament. There's that body illustration again. Grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So think about the context of this scripture. He says, it is Jesus Christ by his grace who has portioned out some to be, you know, uh, apostles, prophets, uh, evangelists, pastors, teachers, so that we may what? As people of Christ, do things. We may do things so that we, we, we will be built up and that we will, we will continue to do this until we all reach maturity in Christ. Then the end results will be, we won't be a people that don't believe one thing, you know, believe false doctrine or be wishy-washy, being thrown back and forth by ways. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, meaning the impact of the church will continue on and that we will, as, as one body, uh, supporting the head, which is Christ, the church, do great things in this world. So it's... It starts with five gifts and it ends with the end result of this unstoppable force. Now, what's really cool about this is that he lists five spiritual gifts. Now, the title today is called Pastors Shouldn't Lead Churches. Now, if you, if you, have, if you haven't thought much about that title, immediately when you hear it, you think, well, that doesn't make any sense at all because Chris, your name is Pastor. And so you'd say, hey, Pastor Chris, which hopefully not, hopefully you don't call me pastor. Uh, at, at, at Kensington, did you ever notice that at other churches you may, like the church I grew up with, it was Pastor, you know, Jamie was my pastor, Pastor Jamie Gillespie. Uh, and, and oftentimes it was brother. Anybody do that? Brother? Hey, brother, brother Chris. Did you know I was called Brother Chris for like 10 years in my first church? Brother Chris. Somebody came up to me and said, Brother Chris. I'm like, ah, I just like, ah, I'm like, what, what is that? Ah, flashback. But but so, so we have this respect of titles. And by the way, I, I love respect and I love titles. So, so like when people say Pastor Chris, they do it out of respect. I actually really like that. But at the same time, though, there's this other tension that we manage. And here's the tension. Believe it or not, I know this is hard to believe, but the word pastor is never given in the scripture as a title or a, or a position ever. In fact, the word pastor in the scripture was only given, ready for this, one time in the New Testament. And it's not given as a title. It's given right here one time and it's listed as a spiritual gift. I would even go as far as to say, and I know this is hard to even wrap our minds around, but it was never meant to be given as a title. But somewhere along the way, we decided to call every, pa- every, every leader of a church pastor, regardless of their spiritual gift, because pastor is arguably one of the best illustrations given in the Bible. After all, Psalm 23 talks about God is the shepherd and we are the sheep, right? Jesus said he is the shepherd. We are the sheep. If we're a part of the flock and we want a leader, a shepherd, by the way, the word pastor can literally be translated into shepherd. Uh, Not only that, but not only do we like that metaphor because it's totally scriptural, but to be honest with you, the pastoring gift is what we long for the most. All of us in our human, you know, needs, we long to be cared for. We long to be loved. We long to be watched over. 
So somewhere along the way, in, in the thousands of years since Christ started the church, since the book of Ephesians was written, somehow, some way, the word pastor was assigned to me. And yet what I'm about to prove to you is my lowest gift is the gift of being a pastor. So it doesn't even fit me. And I would even venture to say this. There are hundreds of thousands of pastors who are called pastor who don't even have the gift of being a pastor. So let me go ahead and uh, put these gifts. uh, Let let, let me go ahead and just put the, can you just put the chart up for me? Just put the chart up uh, of, of the roles and the definitions. The apostle is the one who goes. The prophet is the one who knows. The evangelist is the one who recruits. The pastor is the one who cares. The teacher is the one who explains. Now, if you would just leave it up there for a minute. Here's what I want to tell you. The the, the word apostle is actually not a religious word. It's actually a word that was taken from the Roman Empire. When when Rome was conquering the world, they would send out what they called an apostle to further Roman, Roman kingdom in other areas of the country. So to take the kingdom of Rome to other parts of the world was kingdom expansion. That person who was sent out from Rome was called an apostle. That's actually where it started. It's not even a spiritual word. The gift of apostleship is the one who goes and actually takes the kingdom uh, elsewhere. And so in the church world, when the apostle Paul was actually commissioned by God to be the apostle Paul, he was also being sent out by God as a person who goes and starts things. Now, here's what that means in church world. Now, by the way, in, 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 in corporate world, uh, 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 an apostle would be a CEO. It would be a leader. It'd be a starter, an entrepreneur, right? So you you can be an apostle without being in church world, right? But uh, in church world, you're a church planter because you want to go out and start a brand new work, right? Now, uh, the prophet is the one who knows. He's the one who says, listen, if God has called us to that city, then I believe that God wants us to start in that coffee shop because God has given me a discerning word and I, I get a sense. And a prophet is a person who's so in tune with God, believe it or not, it's a spiritual gift where God speaks and gives discernment to a person and you have to have a, an apostle with a mission and you have to have a prophet or somebody gifted with discernment that they should know the direction to go. The third one is an evangelist recruits. Now, evangelist is a churchy word. But again, this is not a churchy concept. If I'm selling Amway, I'm going to recruit you to Amway, right? I mean, regardless of what I'm selling, I've, I've done like eight or nine different sales jobs uh, in my life. And so I could recruit uh, hopefully with the best of them. But when it comes down to it, evangelism in church world simply means this. I'm going to give you the mission in such a way to where you will join the mission or believe the mission. I'm going to give you my truth or my belief in such a way to where you're going to say, I am now on board to what you believe. And that's what we mean by recruit. So in this case, Jesus Christ says, go into all the world and explain to the world that I'm the son of God and I love them. Well, the mission is then to let people know that God loves you and for people to believe that and become believers and followers of Jesus Christ. The person who's gifted in that area, who who is focused on the people who aren't in the rows, right? Like like, like the person who's not focused on who's in the building, but who's outside the walls has the gift of evangelism. The third one is, or the fourth one is the pastor who cares. The pastor has a nurturing gift. It's the person who loves counseling, person who loves hospital visits, person who loves one-on-one time. And, and, uh, and again, I, I don't want to say that I don't care, but I do care. But it is my lowest gift, believe it or not. If you take the test, there's another thing that you could write down. It's called APEST, A-P-E-S-T. 
If you want to Google that, APEST, you can actually take a test or just type in the five-fold gift ministry mix, uh, five-fold ministry uh, spiritual gifts test. You can take this test. It'll tell you which gift you are. Okay, listen. I am a teacher, evangelist, uh, apostle. Okay, my number one gift is teacher. My number two gift is evangelist. They're very, very, very close. Then apostle is right underneath that. Then, then I have prophet. So my prophecy is actually like, you know, close to last. And then if you shrink it all the way down, my pastor, my actual gift of being a pastor is actually my lowest gift. And yet my title is pastor. Okay? And then the teacher is the one who explains. A person who's gifted, hopefully, in clarity or explanation. Right? And hopefully that is my gift. And hopefully that's why you're sitting here. So the point is, is that we need all of these to function. Now, uh, I, I read a book a long time ago called The Forgotten Ways, Alan Hirsch. And he actually said that he believes, and I do believe this too, that these are given in order for a reason. Because you have to have an apostle to have a mission. Because without a mission, you don't need a prophet. Okay, And so once you have an apostle and you have a mission, and you have a prophet and you know the direction of the mission, it's only then that you need anybody to recruit anybody. And you have to recruit people before you need a pastor or a teacher. Right? So in other words, one builds on the other. It starts with a mission, it, it, then, then there's wisdom and discernment, then you have to have people, then you have to have basically care for the people. Right? So they're given in in order. Now what's so interesting about this gift mix is that t- today, today's title is called Pastors Shouldn't Lead Churches. Okay? Believe it or not, the person who's supposed to lead a mission of a church is supposed to have the gift mix of an apostle. <laughs> Uh, a pastor necessarily isn't a person who is qualified to lead a charge or a mission according to a spiritual gift. I'm not talking about the title anymore. I'm talking about the spiritual gift. So let me, let, me, let me just say it this way. This explains everything you already know about every pastor and church experience that you've already seen. So let, 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 let's think about this. How many of you, don't raise your hands, but you know a pastor who's incredibly gifted in teaching, but he's terrible in counseling? Or maybe you know a person who's actually really, really good at counseling, but he's actually a terrible speaker. And you actually say, man, that dude one-on-one, he's awesome. Put him in front of a crowd of people, it's snooze history, right? I mean, just, you know, it's, it's history, it's gone. Snooze city, whatever you want to call it, right? Or maybe a person, he's incredible at teaching, but he's actually just not a very good leader. Or maybe he's a really great, uh, 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 you know, counselor, but he's actually only focused inward on the inside of the walls and not on the outside of the walls because he doesn't have any evangelism. Or maybe he lacks spiritual discernment because no one pastor is designed to, to have all five of these gifts. You understand? And yet, isn't it funny how the church we grew up in, we expect the pastor to perform in all these areas. Isn't it true? We expect the pastor to be the one who marries everybody. He buries everybody. He casts vision, incredible vision. We expect him to train all the leaders. We expect him to do all the marriage counseling, uh, to be a financial genius. We expect him to be a compelling teacher, to receive special wisdom and insight from God like nobody else, and then to, to deal, uh, deal with administration in a superlative way. Listen, it's the reason why 120 pastors quit every single day in the United States. There's millions of pastors and, and hundreds of thousands of them are called pastor and yet they shouldn't be called pastor because here's this next chart that I want you to see. This next chart is, is, the, is the chart of uh, the history of the church, okay? In the day of Pentecost, 
there were 3,000 people, according to Acts chapter number 2, that were added to the church. And the church was led by an apostle, right? For the most part, it was Apostle Paul, along with the disciples who were, you know, also had these gifts of apostleship. And, and Peter was right there with them. And, and it said that there was 3,000 on the day of Pentecost. Did you know that uh, just 60 years later, the, the Bible says that there were 25,000 people added to the church. So that's a pretty good expansion rate, right? It's pretty good outward growth. Okay, uh, I'm not going to put this next stat up just yet. But in 313 AD, uh, which is only 200 years later, somebody guessed how many people were a part of the church in 313 AD. Just take a shot at it. Who wants to guess? Okay, those are all great guesses. All of them completely dwarfed by 20 million. Okay, 20 million. Uh, the church was expanding at an alarming rate. It was being persecuted. And people were actually killing Christians and persecuting Christians. And so people had to decide, is Jesus Christ Lord or is he not Lord? Because if he's Lord, I'm going to stand up and say, I believe firmly with my life. And people actually, the church expands when it's under persecution. Then something happened in 313 AD. And you know what happened? Constantine legalized the church. Constantine took over the church, and believe it or not, the Roman emperor became a Christian, and all of a sudden, it was actually reversed, and you were persecuted to become a Christian. And so actually, you were required to serve Christ, and it's actually recorded in history that Roman soldiers were baptized, and they held their sword and their arm out of the water because they didn't want to baptize all of themselves because it's the arm that they used to kill people with. All of a sudden, the church had become diluted. You didn't have to, you know, it was basically, that's the day that the church became politically correct, right? And by the way, when the church becomes politically correct, that's the day that it dies. Because, you know, that's not a new concept. Back in 313 AD, when, when, when it was, you know, not, you didn't really have to decide whether or not you really believed or loved Jesus Christ. You actually just had to say, fine, I, I'm a Christian, and then just go to church. And then something happened where the church got off course. And, and something happened from that point in time until now that threw us off course just ever so slightly. It reminds me of the uh, illustration back in the early 90s. Did you know there was a probe that was launched to Mars? And it missed Mars by millions of miles because one technician set the trajectory off by a fraction of a millimeter. And over time and distance, millions of dollars was lost, were lost. And actually, the, the goal was missed by a huge margin because the trajectory was off ever so slightly at the beginning. And what ended up happening was when people decided to just, you know, not, you know, decide whether Jesus Christ is Lord or not, then they decided to focus inward and not outward. So let's look at those gifts again on this next chart. Did you notice that the top three gifts that lead churches are focused on the mission of the church? They're focused on what Jesus Christ says is most important to him. You know, our mission statement says that we focus on the one person that is furthest from God, the one person that believes that God does not love them, the one person that feels completely disenfranchised from God. The apostle and the prophet and the evangelist focus on the, on, on the people outside the walls of the church, but the pastor and the teacher focus on the inward, uh, on the people inside the church. Now, listen, I believe that God gives all kinds of churches for all kinds of people. And I don't want to disrespect any church. In fact, no church. I believe all churches are valuable. But I do believe that when we decide to lose our mission of reaching people uh, with, with the good news of Jesus Christ, there are a lot of churches out there that want to spend the next 20 years just studying the book of Leviticus, 
right, with her 20 people, and, you know, for the next 20 years because they think it's great. And by the way, I love studying the Bible. I think those are good things. But when the church loses its mission, it goes from being a lighthouse to an old relic of a museum that used to once be a a life-saving station. When it comes down to it, you and I need to understand that everybody is gifted, everybody is needed. And the outward gifts, the leaders who go, help the church grow. And so that's really what is needed. All gifts are needed, but the church will never stop. And I thank God that we are a people that hopefully believe this. We believe in what's called something as the, the priesthood of every believer. The priesthood of every believer says this, you are a more gifted pastor than I am. And so the church cannot move forward with me as their leader or, or any one church as, you know, having one leader or maybe a handful of leaders. The church was never designed that way. Do you think that when Jesus established the church, he said it's an unstoppable force as long as Steve Andrews is in charge? The unstoppable force is who? It's you. Think about this. If, if 14,000 of us operate in our spiritual gift, then it's an unstoppable force. Not just a few people who are designed that people look to the leaders and say, hey, I'll pay my tithe. I'll give my, you know, I'll serve coffee. I'll do whatever. But you're in charge of all the needs of the church. That's not what Christ had in mind. We need all gifts together, operating together to be an unstoppable force. And when we recognize that, it's the most empowering thing in the world. But today's message is focused on, it's through the lens of that we uh, realize that we will always be a church that goes. So if you want to write anything down, it's this statement right here. If you don't have an apostle, you don't have a go. No apostle equals no go. In fact, let's say that out loud. Ready? No apostle equals no go. If we don't have somebody at the helm of saying, we're going to take this hill, we're going to go ahead and move forward. We're going to go ahead and see the mission of God through. If somebody with that gift mix is not leading the charge, then we will soon begin to focus inward and lose our gifts. You see, that's technically what the word pastor promotes on a very subliminal level. People actually say to me, hey, the reason why I'm leaving Kensington is I want to go to be fed. I want to be fed somewhere. I'm like, okay, listen, there's nothing wrong with that. But do you understand that technically my job isn't to feed you? Do you know that my primary job is to make you hungry? My primary job is to make you hungry. And you and I, that we would hunger for the mission of God, that we would want to be a part of something so great with our lives. That's, that's primarily my job. So that's why we're really excited for you to kick back and watch this video. Uh, we are two-thirds of the way in the middle of what we consider a driving force of what God has called us to. So sit back and watch this. Every once in a while, a church has the opportunity to accelerate their mission, like double down on what they're all about. And over the years of Kensington's existence, we have had just a handful of those very special times. And our Everyone campaign is the most recent example of that. This was a three-year window in which Kensington friends are giving over and above their regular financial support. We are approaching the last year of those three. 
A few thousand people have already given toward this, and we are so grateful. But we have more to do in order to finish strong, and we have more people who can help us get over that finish line. So some of you have been with us all along. You started with the Everyone campaign a couple years ago, and you've been giving, and we're so grateful. And perhaps you were around back then and just didn't see your way clear to jump in financially with us back then. But maybe now you could see your way clear to jump it in for the last 12 months. And maybe some of you are brand new to Kensington, and you may want to consider being part of the last year as well. And no matter who you are, we just know that together as a church family, we can fuel incredible mission and ministry here and around the world. And to get a taste of what all those things are, take a look at this. We're super excited about our new Clinton Township building, where we believe thousands of people will come meet Christ and engage their faith in a totally new way. At Troy, we've been able to improve a handful of things, including our kids' security system and make some updates in the auditorium. We're still helping new churches get off the ground, so we invested in Easttown Church, led by the Dupins in San Francisco. We believe environments matter, so we've invested heavily in our online environment, that is our website, as well as what you see when you come into a Kensington lobby. We were able to complete the adoption of the Traverse City campus and church family. We've partnered with an organization called Youth with a Mission, which is all about reaching the next generation in the city of Detroit. So it's been an amazing run, not just for 27, 28 years, but even in the last couple of years, we have been able to see amazing things happen inside of Kensington, outside of Kensington. And, and when you think of all that, what for you, uh, like really gets you pumped up? Our story is almost unique in the world. When I tell people around the country, say, yeah, we have seven campuses giving millions of dollars to another campus that they'll never see or use in order to see people come to know Christ in the Detroit area. And they're like, wait a second, explain this to me. These people over here, 40 minutes away, are giving to these people, and they're giving like major portions of their life resources to make this happen. It, it doesn't even compute to people. And what I love is the, this spirit of other-centeredness. The great part now is we're taking this little kind of time out in the Everyone campaign because we've put a lot of resources into Clinton Township facility, understandably, yep. But there's this other list of projects that are really amazing projects that if we finish strong and as we sort of collect people into this investment, it's amazing things yet to come yes. just in the next like year or two. And think about this. This, is, this seems almost corny, but Troy's getting a new parking lot for a new Troy campus. Listen, there's a new spirit at Troy and a new vision and a new movement that is as exciting to me as anything we've done in our 27 years. We have signage. We have things that are happening at every campus to make us better, and we're going to step in and see those things happen. Was that your dream, like when you said, I want to be a church planting operation, a church planting church, which is why people think we're crazy, right? Because we're always sending people away from our church. Had you dreamt about having that express itself in other places than just America? I did, but I had no way, I had no way of knowing the variation mm -hmm. of Nepal, Cuba, Afghanistan, where we actually are supporting leaders who, who are, have been executed, have been beheaded this year. We get, gosh, we get to be a part of, are you kidding me? No, I never dreamed that it would be this dramatic. The other thing that I didn't expect is the fact that People hear, well, we want to start new churches, and they think, oh, well, you, want, you want to start like a beautiful building. Like, No, Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. And so we have people that are launching new initiatives, new dreams, 
all the time, new small groups in homes, new ideas, new ministries that, that are going to change the way people live. This is being birthed in the hearts of Kensington people literally every second. You know, I think sometimes when people see Kensington and they see some of the great things that have happened and the buildings we have and all these wonderful people around us, they're like, well, what do you guys need? I mean, why would you even be asking for more? Like, are you building some sort of an empire? Yeah. Well, the empire that's being built belongs to Jesus Christ, not to me. Not to, No one on this staff owns any of this. This belongs to the Kensington body. And what is amazing to me is that whatever we do inside, we do far more outside. We're going to launch our 59th U.S. domestic church this year. We are going to touch over a million people with the gospel of Jesus Christ globally. It's like what we do here at Kensington, it's like the, the epicenter of, of everything going out. Almost like we're collecting resources so that we can actually send yes. them out. Yes, yeah. and, then, and then the greatest resource is the people themselves as they go out to do what God's called them to do. So there's probably a couple thousand people listening to this conversation right now, and uh, we still have a year of the Everyone campaign to go. What would you love to see happen? Very simple. I want 100% of us to be in to this Everyone campaign. I want every person at Kensington who's a part of Kensington now to be able to look back and say, I helped finish that Clinton Township building. It's going to be reaching people at Hall Road in 94 for the next 100 years. And I helped build that Nepal safe house where young girls are being restored into church planners and community leaders. And I invested in Kaleo kids and reaching these elementary schools and restoring and changing these kids' identities. And I was a part of getting Troy a new parking lot and Orion, you know, building upgrades inside. The beauty of life is when you can say, we did this together. That's what I want. I want every person to be freed from the, the oppression of the question, what's in it for me? And to be liberated to ask the question, what is Jesus Christ inviting me into? Like how to use my life, everything that I've been, been given, whether it's for the Everyone came, campaign or starting a new program or reaching out to their neighbors, and that we begin to live not with this concern about how do I preserve my own life, it's how do I give my life away and let Jesus like flow through me in this world? Not, not just through individuals, but it, as communities, as teams, as groups of people. Uh, Kensington is a huge army around the world. And uh, as people are learning to say, not my will, but Jesus, yours be done, man. What might we see? I mean, it, we've already been amazed. I think the best is yet to come. So what do you think? It's pretty awesome. You know, I'm going to Brazil this summer, and my goal is to go to every one of our global partners. And that safe house that Steve is talking about in Nepal, it's the only one that I haven't been to in Nepal, uh, where, we, where, where we rescue girls who are, you know, in the sex 
trafficking and restore them and just an unbelievable work. And, and it's my goal to visit each one of them because I'm telling you, I'm telling you what, the idea of, of you know, furthering God's kingdom here and around the world is, is the best thing that you can be a part of. At the end of your life, if you get to the end of your life and think, hey man, that was for me, you know, like, I mean, nothing wrong with, you know, having time for you and your family and the pleasures of life. Ecclesiastes says that's a gift from God. But to live life just for me, at the end of our life, it's a life wasted. We, we discover when we give our lives away to others around us, not only just family and close friends, but, but to reach out and to help others. And, and all, not only that, but to help others know that God loves them through so many different ways, you know, just in basic ways and in ways that really matter when the rubber meets the road, you know, uh, you know giving them needs, uh, what is needful for the body, whether it's drilling wells or, or, or helping them, whatever it is. The message of the love of Christ is the goal. Now, the goal is not just a building with my own parking space. I'm not going to have my own parking space in our new building, just to let you know, right? You're not going to have your own spot in your new building that you're going to claim for yourselves. It's not about that. We are building a $14 million building plus change for one reason only, and that is to reach more people who, who are not in these seats who don't know Jesus Christ yet with the love of God and the message of the love of God. The one person who's far from God. That's it. That's the only reason that we would ever ask you to consider being a part of this mission. Um, by the way, this, let me just take care of this. You were given this when you got handed in, uh, or when you walked in, you got handed this. Before you open this, let me just draw your attention to one uh, kind of important fact. If you were here two years ago when we did the Everyone campaign, you may say to yourself, well, if I was here two years ago, why are we uh, revisiting this? Well, that's a really good question, and we have a really great answer. Look at this first screen right here. This first screen says that there are almost 14,200 whatever people that attend all of our eight campuses on a weekly basis at our uh, high peak attendance times of the year, Uh, which means that there are 7,600 households that give. Now, that's not like cash in the bucket. That's like, you know, who write checks. That's, that's only the people that we can keep track of. If you've written a check, then we're able to somehow keep your record. That's 7,600 households. There's more people than that, but that's a conservative number. Well, from that, almost 3,000 households gave to the Everyone campaign, which means that there are 4,000 households that either, number one, this is really important to know, there are probably several thousands of you that you weren't even here two years ago. And so this is a fantastic opportunity for you to say, hey, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that. I mean, it's something fantastic and awesome. And so a lot of you, you weren't even here two years ago. It's your time for what we're saying is start up. Start up means jump in. Like, hey man, we have a year left. You can give X amount of dollars and jump and be a part of it because we feel like God is calling us to a really incredible and important mission uh, that takes resources. Uh, For a lot of you, you're saying to yourself, well, uh, maybe, maybe two years ago I, I was here, but I just couldn't do it financially. Or maybe I just didn't understand. Maybe things were a little bit unclear, but now I have a better handle on what, you know. So maybe it's your time to just jump in because you're, you're saying like, hey, I, I wasn't able to two years ago, but I am now. And maybe it's a small amount, but every amount counts. And then for a lot of you, maybe you're in the third category, which is, hey, I've already kind of done it, but God has blessed me tenfold. Like I gave, you know, X amount of dollars and, and my, my ministry or my, my, my business or my income or my raise or whatever it is, I've been blessed beyond measure. And by the way, that's no surprise to any of us because that's God's economy. But if that's the case, 
and you're like, hey, I'd, I'd like to contribute something more, that's also another opportunity as well. So inside your program right here, those are the three categories, start up, step up, or stay in. Let me show you this next screen. Um, go to the next one if you could. Okay, this next one says, if 750 households commit 50 bucks a month, right? That's like going out to eat one time. And if you do that for the next 12 months, it's a 600 bucks uh, or a one-time gift of 600 bucks. If 1,300 households commit 100 bucks a month, and then if 2,000 households commit $250 a month. For some of us, we can't conceive that amount of money. For a lot of people, that's actually not a problem at all. And then, if, but if that happens, get this, we'll be able to accomplish over and above what we feel like God has called us to. Every study that we've done says that our goal of raising $30 million, although it seems like a very big number, based on the resources that God has given to us and the responsibility that we feel like we are over, every, every, every study shows that that is a very reasonable and attainable goal based on every fundraising uh, kind of statistic that is done. So when it comes down to it, the people of God, us, all we need to do is just say, my vote counts, my, my contribution counts. You know, what, what, what could a small contribution like 600 bucks matter to, to a church this size? And the answer is, man, what Steve Andrews said is true. All of us together. It takes all of us. That's the picture of the body of Christ. So can you imagine if the 4,000 households just did that, we'd reach over and above what God has called us to. So please don't underestimate the importance of your gift. Then it's finally this last, this last uh, slide just shows you that next week, we're gonna be asking you to check a box. And so for a lot of you, maybe you're like, hey man, I'm in, I've done my duty, and I just wanna check and say, I'm still in, I'm fine. That's fine, we'll ask you to do that too. But, but this would be an opportunity for all of us to consider praying the prayer and saying, God, are you calling me to be a part of something like this? So now that we're done with brass tactics, let me just go ahead and say this. Um, do you realize that the Bible says that when the church is operating on all cylinders, it's the best thing that people can experience this side of heaven. So uh, it's not on the screen, but I want to continue reading uh, Ephesians chapter four, just a few verses down. Listen to what Paul says. Paul says, from whom the whole body of the church joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, which is you. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it can build itself up in love. So the body, again, the body is built by every member doing its part. I think that that's exactly what God wanted from the church when he designed it from the beginning. The unstoppable force isn't the leadership. The unstoppable force are the people. You guys know that the word church is, doesn't refer to a building. The word church refers to the people. That's what it means. So with or without a building, we are the church wherever we go, which is what we're going to talk about next week as we come back. Uh, let me say one last thing, and that is um, when it comes down to it, we have people operating in their gifts all around this building right now. You know that we have people back in K-Kids who have the gift of teaching, and they're teaching our kids. Uh, at the end of the service, we have people who are gifted in prayer. That is their number one gift, and they, they are gifted here to pray with you because that's what God designed them to do. You know, at any given time, if you want counseling, did you know that you can call the church during church office hours? And there are literally hundreds, hundreds of people that have been gifted with the gift of being a pastor. And they are trained and equipped and ready to do counseling and point you in the right direction. Hundreds of people. 
Did you know that there are people right here in this auditorium uh, that are gifted in hospitality, who bring, who bring uh, food for the band in the back? There are people in the back uh, running teams of coffee that are gifted with, with, the, with the gift of apostleship and administration as they work out all the details of all the stuff that I'm not good at. You see, it takes a church, it takes every person, every body member uh, to be functioning right. And when, when it does, when it moves forward, I gotta tell you, I'm so thankful that I'm a part of a church that always wants to take new ground because Jesus never puts, puts his foot on the, on the brake and neither will we ever. This is, our, this is our sixth campaign in 28 years. Uh, and probably in another four or five years, we may have another one. Who knows? To build a building for the Birmingham campus. Who knows? But we'll always continue to spread the message of the gospel of Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this day. We ask your blessing on this time. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to hear from you today and help us to respond. We love you, we thank you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Did you know that we're gonna, about to plant our 59th church uh, in Nashville that my son is going to be a part of? And this next video is uh, just a small uh, response from the different church partners and the different church plants that we've helped, that you've given. And so because you've given your money and that we've helped people, uh, if they were to say something to you, what would they say? Uh, take a minute and watch this. Hey, what's going on, Kensington? I'm Clint. And I am Michael, and we are at Easttown Church. It's Vince Antonucci from Verve Church in Las Vegas. This is Dave Kubiak from Antioch Church in St. Clair Shores. Hey, Kensington, this is Dave Nelson out in K2 The Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Travis here with Miles City Church in Livonia, Michigan. Hey, this is John and Catherine Evans from Renovation Church in Oviedo, Florida. This is Colin and Liz Harfield. We moved out to the greater Boston area back in August with a view to planting Anthem Church later this fall. I'm Julius Murgor, uh, the director of... Home Harvesters International. This is Jaya from India. This is Ramesh Sabkota. I'm from Nepal. It's been nearly 10 years since you sent Chris and me and a group of others out to New York City to plant a church called Communitas. I want to thank you because you have been a part of what we've been doing since the very beginning. You guys uh, supported us financially with your prayers, sent mission teams, and we are here today because of you. Last week I had the opportunity to meet a reporter and it was his first time ever in church. And uh, he said, I just want to let you know, I'm going to come back next Sunday because I can't wait to learn more. And the first person we saw come to Christ was a pimp and we have seen prostitutes and uh, gang members and you name it, Satanists. And you guys are part of every single one of those lives that have been changed. We are already gathering a group of people, about 20 to 30 people that have been gathering on a regular basis. And in just a few short months, we're already seeing over 100 people gathering weekly. Well, you know, over a thousand people are going to show up today and that's been the case for years here. We have been fighting against human trafficking and rescuing the girls who've been taken from the country of Nepal. And so we just want to say thank you again for all that you have done, all the sacrifices that you have made uh, to make this possible. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you. Thank you for your incredible support. Just know that what you're doing there is impacting tons of people out here in Salt Lake. From New Life Church on Wayne State's campus in Detroit, Michigan, thank you, Kensington. From Grumlaw Church in Grand Blanc, Michigan, Thank you. From Detroit Church in the heart of Midtown Detroit, thank you to all our friends, Steve, Greg, and the entire Kensington family. All, all things new. new! Thank you so much. We literally couldn't have done it without you. Thank you. Thank you.
Hey, Dave Wilson here, and I want to say thank you, too. On behalf of the Kensington leadership, thank you. You have made all of this possible. We've planted 60-plus churches in the, in the United States, thousands of churches around the world, and countless numbers of people have been impacted for Jesus. And you don't even realize this. It's because of you. Your giving, your sacrifice has made a huge difference. So on behalf of all of our leadership, thank you. For what you've done, let me tell you, it's just the beginning. God is going to do amazing things. Thank you. So how cool is that to hear thank you from these guys? That's pretty awesome. Hey, that took a lot of work for us to collect all those thank yous for you guys, all right? Actually, it was Mike Nelson who hunted all those thank yous down. And it's amazing. And that's just, and by the way, that's just scratching the surface. And so I just want to take a moment before we sing together in this last response. I just want to take a moment to say from me to you, thank you. As your pastor, I just want to say thank you. As, 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 as the people who I do life with and spend week after week and talk with and yes, sometimes counsel with and, and do life with and I'm on mission with. I just got to say, man, my heart is for you. And, I, and, I, and it is a privilege to be a part of people who get it. People who actually get off the bench and say, I'm in this mission together. And I, and I said this, I'm, gosh, I've said this for years. At the end of my life, when I'm done and I'm retired, I will love every big altar call moment and every 20,000 person attended holiday service. But the, but the best memories that I will ever have in my ministry career is with you guys. You guys who get it and do life with me and say, and with us and with our team and with this community and say, let's do this thing together. And I got to tell you, those, those are my most cherished memories are when I'm, when I'm with people who get it and say, let's do whatever we can to move the mission of God forward. Keeping in mind, under the context that all of us need to be operating in our gifts so that we can move this thing forward because there's no sense of building anything if we're not going to operate as the church together. Are you with me? So the question is, yeah, that's good. You can clap if you want. So the question is, is God going to do it? Is God going to do even more than he's already done? This next song simply says, he's done it before and he's going to do it again because that is God's faithfulness. That's the God we serve. Let's stand and sing this together.
from the very beginning. Jesus Christ said that on this rock I'll build my church and he was referring to him as the head of the church. So as long as Jesus leads this thing, as long as he goes before us, right? as long as he's in charge and he's leading every decision we make, then truly there's nothing that's going to stop the work of the, uh, his movement in our community. So listen, I want to encourage you to grab an invite for Easter on the way out and invite somebody with you and we'll see you back next week. Thank you so much for being here. God bless you. We'll see you next time.